Hi, it's Erica. And it's Liana, and this is the Night Guys podcast. We're here to join you weekly to cover weird and spooky stuff, supernatural, extraterrestrial, cryptid, culty. Today it's true crime. Mm. And I'm drinking water because I'm lame. Holy shit, I just realized we have a bunch of shots that we owe our Patreon members. Oh, wow. That means next We have like four. We'll be interesting. What if next week we don't even spin the wheel and we just go straight to our listener stories? I feel like we've got a lot. Yeah, we could do that. Four shots and liquor and liquor <laughs> stories and liquor stories. <laughs> I thought you were going to say we we'll to do four shots and have liquor. I'm like, excuse me. They're different, right? What? <laughs> Why not? <laughs> After I've had that much, yes. <laughs> I meant shots of insulin to help mm, our poor blood sugar. Mm, mm-hmm. That's good. Yes. That could be good. Well, if that's the case, then if you haven't sent us a listener story, do yes, that. Yes, let's do that. Please. Yep. If you have a spooky, a UFO, or a true crime story that somehow you're... Mm-hmm. I hope you're not related to anybody that's been involved in true crime. Actually, we did have one of I our Patreon that. listeners l- reach out and say that his wife is related to Lacey Peterson. Was it? Yeah. Or cousin? Yeah. It's yeah, it's her cousin. Or it was. Okay. She, Lacey was her cousin. So Fuck sad. Scott. God, I hate that guy. Oh, Agreed. Um, want to murder him. Mm-hmm. Yes. Murder. <laughs> murder. <laughs> and it will go unsolved because everyone wants him dead anyway. Yeah. Who would come on? No. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye-bye. <laughs> we should go to... <laughs> no, I was going to say... I mean, we can do that too. But oh, okay. <laughs> we should go to court rooms where they're like oh. verdict day and then for people we hate that deserve to be locked up yeah. like him and then when he gets mm-hmm. sentenced then we just are there specifically bye. to say bye 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 can we go to Lori Vallow's sentencing yeah. Chad Daybell I will travel for that oh my god we'll hold signs and say bye bye how would we spell that b-a-h bye, bye. Bah. Or is it B E H? That's kind of bad. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe let's ask Esme. She seems yeah, to she'll know. be the expert. I'll spell it out. She's learning her alphabet. She, she might be able to do it. I think she could. <laughs> she might. <laughs> we just practiced them like an hour ago. Great. This is perfect. Excellent plan. I'll have her Us. spell it out. Okay. Yeah. That's okay, cool. We're ready. <laughs> Stupid Lori Vallow, I hate you so much. And Chad Daybell. The worst. She deserves a big bye. Big bye. (laughs) To the moon or the sun. We should send Mm -hmm. her to the sun. Straight to the moon. Then the sun. Then Jupiter. (laughs) (laughs) Then come back to Mercury. (laughs) And then just launch her into space. Oh. Space. 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 <laughs> this all started because we want your listener stories. <laughs> Pathetic. Oh my god. Uh, yeah, but if you have stories, please email them to us at nightguyspod <laughs> at gmail.com or you can DM us on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter. 
just look for Night Guys Podcast. We are available. If you want to text us, you can text us or leave a voicemail. Yeah. It's a Google number. It's 707-200-3898. We will not be picking that up. <laughs> so feel free nope. to leave as many voicemails as you want. Yes. Please. <laughs> Oh, exciting. I like listener story episodes. Me too. They They're are my, my absolute favorite. favorite. I just hope that with us drinking that we do them justice. I think mm. we will. Maybe we do them. Um, maybe we taper them um, throughout. I like the whole episode, though. It makes me so happy. No, I mean our shots. Oh, 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 oh. I was like, what do you mean How taper do you the do stories? This? I was like, per <laughs> I start a story. <laughs> and then don't end it start another one then go back to the one in the middle <laughs> i thought you meant like put like one episode like oh one story God. per episode going forward that's all i thought you meant <laughs> no um Bailey, you took it in a different direction um yeah i think we could taper the shots i feel like okay. that would be wise stop the bowl yes right please i don't know Please. <laughs> my body can't handle it. I'm staring at this little bottle bottle of SoCo from yeah Melissa. from Melissa, my, my and I'm fridge. I'm afraid of it. I guess I should put it in the fridge. Yeah, cold alcohol is the best alcohol. I'm so afraid. Yeah. I'm gonna, oh, I'm just I gonna eat like a bunch tonight. of pasta before would, that episode. I would have hurled whatever. <laughs> bacteria is living in my face and mm -hmm. chest needs to go yeah you need to get better first before yeah, we do I these agree. shots i asked my doctor i'm like do you think i have covid and she's like it doesn't even matter <laughs> damn <laughs> that's basically what she said i'm like well can i get tested and she's like well when did you start to feel like you had a cold and i'm like i don't know a couple of weeks ago and she's like the test probably won't work. I'm like, is this test, like, totally shit? <laughs> like, what's <laughs> happening? <laughs> I'm like, I can't just get it, like, just to get it. She's like, it's really not a point. <laughs> Do you know Bobby wanted to be tested for it, too, months and months and months ago? Mm. And uh, now they're like, no, it doesn't sound like you have it. It's just like, what? what? It's because they didn't have enough. <sighs> California, he went to the drive-thru and everything. They were ready. They were legit rationing them. For people that actually had symptoms. Yeah, he did, though. They just oh. didn't think he had enough. It was weird. I've never. He waited in the line. Everything. His truck wouldn't fit. <laughs> I'd be so mad. I know. I was stunned. I was like, uh, okay. I feel like if you've waited in the line, you've earned a test. Agreed. You've earned to have your your brain scraped with a Q-tip. I, I have no interest in having that. I don't either. Me. Sounds... Yeah. No do. Can they get a saliva test done yet? Yeah, or just, you know, I don't know. Like, mind scan me. <laughs> don't touch me. Just scan like, my uh, brain. <laughs> like Little Chef in Ratatouille, how he can smell when the rats have poison in their food. Oh, yeah, yeah, we yeah. We need Little Chef. <laughs> or like those bomb-sniffing rats and dogs. Apparently there are dogs stuff. that can sniff COVID. <gasps> Isn't that crazy? Give me that pup. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and have Keep them me around safe at all times. Oh, <laughs> I love this. I'll tell people that Punky can <laughs> smell COVID. He barks, he barks at everyone. <laughs> oh, he's a COVID sniffer. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. 
or a very minimum, like, it should be, he can sense when people have attachments to them that are demonic. Mm. Cool. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. That's quite a skill. It is. How, d- how did you train that? Oh, he was born with it. Oh. Yeah. That's a power you were only born with. <laughs> All right. Do you have news for today? I do. Apparently, okay. this is the only thing I talk about, mm. oh. which is lightning. <laughs> oh, my God. But there's a new lightning story, and I felt like I needed to speak on it. I really want to know. I, I don't think we asked, but BJ, if you're listening now, can we tell your lightning story? please? Yeah, we will. It's like the coolest story. <laughs> Erica's decided we're telling yeah, your lightning story. <laughs> um <laughs> Um, okay, so this one is titled Lightning Strike Blows Off Man's Shoes. Oh, what? Oh. Giving him new respect for Crocs. <laughs> I oh, have no. no respect for Crocs. He was I awakened by a thunderstorm at his Ooh. home in British Columbia. Uh-huh. Uh, Cal remembered he'd left the windows rolled down in his truck. The 50-year-old slipped on a pair of camouflage Crocs and went out in his... <laughs> pajamas to remedy the situation he said i reached in to turn on the ignition oh my goodness <laughs> and just as i had done that bam there was no warning the thunder oh and the lightning God. hit at the very same time so it was like boom crack you know like bada boom that's what it did no thank you <laughs> the undercarriage <laughs> oh my god that's inappropriate. Of the truck. And the whole road basically became this bright orange color. Mm. Uh, it was like someone had put orange lights underneath my truck. That's oh, when cool. he realized the lightning strike early August 17th had blown off his Crocs and knocked him about 10 <laughs> feet away. That's wild. I don't like that he was hurt. No, but blown off his Crocs is a funny sentence. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. The feeling is like this intensity that I've never felt before. Oh my goodness. Uh, mm. My legs just felt like they had been blown apart. <laughs> oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Oh wow. Uh, his wife heard him shout for help and she ran oh, outside. That'd be terrifying. Yeah. He was just screaming, screaming in pain. He was just hanging on to his legs and hyperventilating. Oh, he went God. into shock immediately. A pair uh, a pair. Well, I can say that paramedics called to his home, said his blood pressure and heart rate were elevated, but he had no serious injuries. He credits his rubber-soled camouflage Crocs. <laughs> Do I know if they saved my life? I don't know for sure, but I sure feel fortunate I had them on. I know they aren't high on people's fashion list, but I have a new <laughs> respect for Crocs. <laughs> but the lightning strike probably hit the pickup truck, not him, which likely saved him from more serious injuries. Mm. Um, that lightning strike or stroke would have gone through, um, would would have gone through kilometers of air to get to the surface of the earth. Um, so rubber, whether it's a couple inches or even several meters, is just not going to prevent a lightning strike from achieving what it's trying to do. Hmm. Um, yeah. Crazy. He said he's learned a few things and won't go outside during a lightning storm any longer. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I wouldn't anyway, but. <laughs> I think science is wrong and these Crocs are right. <laughs> My takeaway. So Crocs are now science? They are science. <laughs> Camouflage, specifically. 
I like that he acknowledges that they are not high on anyone's fashion list. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because I have hated Crocs from the day that they became popular. I was just like, these are awful. They're so strange. They're, they make your feet so sweaty. I just think they're just... <sighs> they're too weird and squishy. I don't like it. I just don't know. Maybe I need a pair. Maybe no. I need to walk in the Crocs to know. I actually had a pair of like Mary Jane Crocs. Like they don't, they didn't look like your typical mm-hmm. Croc because somebody was like, oh yeah, like I wear them on the plane. This is when I was flying. And they're like, oh yeah, I wear Crocs. They're like basically ballerina slippers. And I was like, oh, I'll try those. They were like 25 bucks. Oh wow. My feet were so sweaty. <laughs> they were sweatier than they had ever been in anything else I'd worn. And I was like, what is wrong with me? Like, this is gross. And they just, they smelled like that weird rubber. <laughs> I don't, I don't like these at all. <laughs> My mom swears by them. Your mom thinks unicorns are She's real. Like, Erica, they're the best. She's like, you just go outside and you don't have to like, put your nice shoes on. Just slip on your Crocs. Go take the <laughs> trash out. Like, okay. <laughs> Whatever. That's what flip-flops are for. I just go barefoot. I don't care. Yeah, either barefoot or flip-flops if mm. the concrete's too hot. <laughs> yeah, she's against flip-flops. What? They're the best. <laughs> oh, my God. Your mom. Okay. Well, I have news. Yay. It's science news. Oh, more about Crocs. Uh, Different kind of Croc. It's a flying Croc. It's Ooh. not a Croc. It's actually an airplane uh, um. car. Flying airplane croc. Okay. Yes. <laughs> so a Japanese company successfully tests a manned flying car for the first time. <gasps> Our future mm. modes of transportation. Gross. It actually looks like, what are those things called? Snowmobile. It looks like a snowmobile. That's oh. Flying. But like a more futuristic snowmobile. Okay. Because it has skis on the bottom of it. I mean, oh. it's got like helicopter landing gear. Okay. So a Japanese company has announced a successful test drive of a flying car. Sky Drive Inc. conducted the public demonstration on August 25th, and the company the company said in a news release at the Toyota Test Field, one of the largest in Japan and home to the car company's development base. It was the first public demonstration for a flying car in Japanese history. The car, named SD03, manned with a pilot, took off and circled the field for about four minutes. We're extremely excited to have achieved Japan's first ever manned flight of a flying car in the two years since we founded SkyDrive with the goal of commercializing such aircraft. We want to realize this society... <laughs> Why are you shaking your head? It's going to be fun. It's insane. I don't ever want to be around people flying these, ever. I do. I want to fly one. People cannot drive on the ground. There's no way this will work out well. <laughs> just <laughs> won't. People are going to fly into where I live. They're going to fly into me when I'm walking, when I'm in my ground car. Like, my like ground. Oh, yeah. They're going to be like air car and ground car. Yeah. Like, Ew, you drive a ground car? And I'll Ew. be like, yeah, it's safer. Which You're is old insane. school. <laughs> I No way. Get them away from me. And what a, oh, it's the worst. They're going to fly in the power lines. Yeah, probably. There's probably going to be specific places where they're, like, allowed to fly. Yeah, and, like, people are going to be able to keep that in control. No. Uh, people are going to, like, try to land in people's backyards. Yeah. Fly over people's houses. 
They're saying, we want to realize a society where flying cars are an accessible and convenient means of transportation in the skies, and people are able to experience a safe, secure, and comfortable new way of life. The SD-03 is the world's smallest electric vertical takeoff and landing vehicle and takes up the space of about two parked cars, according to the company. It has eight motors to ensure safety in emergency situations. In designing an unexplored new genre of transportation known as the flying car, we chose the keywords progressive for progressive for inspiration. We wanted this vehicle to be futuristic, charismatic, and desirable for all future customers while fully incorporating the technology of SkyDrive. The company hopes to make the flying car a part of normal life and not just a commodity. More test flights will occur in the future under different conditions to make sure the safety and technology of the vehicle meet industry standards. The success of this flight means that it is likely the car will be tested outside of the test field by the end of the year, and they'll continue to develop technologies uh, to safely and securely launch the flying car in 2023. But no price has been announced, because their whole mission is to make this thing affordable. They don't want it to just be for the richies. They're like, we want everybody to have a flying car. Uh, <laughs> Erica's nightmare. I'm so against this. <laughs> like, can you imagine kids who just get their license with this? Maybe yeah. you have to be a ground driver for like four years before getting one. No, I don't know. <laughs> there's no, there's no real good way of discerning. Who's Why don't going to they be just okay like? find ways to make people fly individuals yeah <laughs> let's do like some rocketeer shit <laughs> i want that cool outfit and that cool helmet <laughs> i definitely want the cool helmet that's way dreamier because you know that when you're going really fast your skin's gonna do the stretchy thing yeah and it's no gonna one be needs to see that no cute <laughs> mm-mm Oh, man. That's why I, I always wanted to go skydiving, and my friends would get videos of them doing oh, yeah, it. Oh, yeah, you I'm like, crazy I'm like, town. I don't want those videos. Like, no, I don't want my, I don't want people to see how much skin I, I have. I also enjoy <laughs> the idea of being strapped to somebody's body. Uh-uh. <laughs> don't touch me. <laughs> I don't want you touching me. You're like, I'm just going to dock into you just for a minute. And you're like, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> A, too immature for that. B, oh yeah, gross. <laughs> Both of us are. C, we would never survive. Don't that. touch me. I need like, <laughs> I need some kind of <laughs> barrier. <laughs> uh, like, yep. don't talk to me while we're falling either. I don't mm. need to know about you. <laughs> Or, like, while well, they're still strapped to you in the plane. And Ew! Like, oh. And you're, like, <laughs> sitting in them? How disgusting. <laughs> I can't. We've never been skydiving, guys, so if we're talking out of our asses, it's because we're very knowledgeable about science. <laughs> skydiving. What I would do is the zero gravity nosedive in the plane where you get to, like, bounce around. Oh, vomit comet. Oh. That looks fun. Me likey. I love that. <laughs> okay. That, how do we do that? That is Wait, no is touching. That? I don't have to slide my butt into somebody's crotch. Like, like, no thank you. 
Home Landing Zero Gravity Corporation. Is this the... Yeah! Four days. Vegas, September 5th. How much is it? <laughs> How much is it to go... Oh! No, that's not right. NASA's weightless wonder known as a vomit comet would cost more than $5,000 per the Zero Gravity Corporation. No. Are you on the GoZero-G website? Forty-nine fifty. Oh! Like $4,000? $4,950. We're not going on the vomit comment. <laughs> That's a lot of money. <laughs> oh, shit. All these dum-dums in this plane paying that? Damn it. Well, one day when I'm a billionaire, I'll get to go. What? And it'll be our what? own private plane where we don't have to share it with anybody. Damn. That's insane. Mm-hmm. They're making a killing. Let's go work for them. Wow. Huh? Would have never guessed that. I know. I was like, eh, 200, like 200, 300 bucks. Yeah. Like, however much it costs to do skydiving. Privately, it's like maybe five. <laughs> Whoa. Five We're grand. idiots. We know nothing. <laughs> Hot damn. That's how much you have to pay to not have your butt in someone's crotch. Skydiving. Yeah, no, I got it. I just was like, you'd think that it would be less. <laughs> oh, I just can't. I can't do a skydiving thing. I will can't. never do that, and I will never do bungee jumping. Well, bungee jumping, to me, seems so much more stressful in your body. It's just insane. If you ever watch a video or Google <laughs> things to Bobby, I've seen this. Bungee jumping when the cord gets around people's neck. Oh, no. That, the slack. I feel like that would actually just decapitate you, doesn't it? Wouldn't no, it? No, it's... Uh-oh awful and then just people like who don't have it measured right or like mm, i know this sounds but good. the cord the slack thing no i am great eating Uh-oh. a nice dinner somewhere Uh-oh. else instead after like i hear that there's too much slack and i all i can think of is what happened to my brother when he was water skiing or he was wakeboarding and the boat driver didn't know what they were doing. They went to take off, and there was slack in the rope. Mm. My brother mm-hmm. broke his femur. Yeah, the biggest, good. toughest bone, and it was a torsion break, so it twisted. Mm. And now my brother has a Terminator leg. He just has a rod in it and pins, <laughs> but it's still a Terminator leg. That's awful. Yeah. yeah I have no interest in things that are so extreme that you can break your body like that. Oh, no, no. 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 But Vomit mm-hmm. Comet, like, yeah, because I figure, like, if there's going to be something disastrous, it's going to be, like, a full-on disaster, and it won't last for very long. You know what we could do instead? What? <clears throat> we could do the wind tunnel. I've done that a few times. But, like, the big one where yeah. you're in the squirrel suit? Yeah. Really? That looks fun. It's okay. It's, you float it's up o- and down? It's fun, but you only, you're only in there for, like... 45 seconds at a time and oh, there's like really? a bunch of people that are cycling in and out or maybe it's like 90 seconds or something but you're not in there for very long everyone's uh, watching you and you're just kind of uh, like hey and they don't want to let you do a lot of cool stuff because you're inexperienced uh, so they let you float and so you're just kind of like wee oh bummer and then if you go there multiple times then they'll start teaching you how to do tricks but you have to pay to continue to go a lot. Oh, that's lame. It is mucho lame. All right, then I'm back to just nice dinner. <laughs> Which I'm so happy with. Not even sad about it. No, in fact, the correct choice was made. 
<laughs> Especially if it comes with yummy wine. Uh, agreed. Okay, mm. cool. Mm. Yep. Well, none of this has anything to do with our story today, but shall we get started on our story? We shall. Because it's a big one, and it's a doozy. It's weird. It's a big doozy. Oh, my goodness. Ew. <laughs> so, guys, we're talking the Tamam Shud or Shud or the Summerton Man case. Mm-hmm. Or the Unknown Stranger. Oh, that's another one. Yeah. Jesus. I like all of these. <laughs> They're all great. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This case is wild if you like unsolved mysteries this is a big ass unsolved mystery with (laughs) insane clues and weird players involved there's all kinds of things spies espionage cold wars beaches pull up a chair get your your sherlock pipe Yes, your Sherlock okay. pipe for focusing and mm-hmm. discovering what happened. Fake mustache to twirl. Mm, yeah. That's important. Do you want to, <laughs> you get started. You start us okay, off. Okay, okay. We're going to have to stop and talk about this a lot. <laughs> I know. There's a lot to talk about. So most murders aren't that difficult to solve because, as Liana and I like to say, the husband always did it. Because he did. Because they just did. And if it's not mm-hmm. the husband, it's the boyfriend. Um, <laughs> but this is not one of those cases. This one is... Far more bizarre. It's strange. Yeah, it's, oh, it's just weird. Um, so thanks in part to uh, advances such as DNA technology and whatnot, like, things, it's straightforward. Like, you can check for blood, DNA, you can link it. Freaking, you can probably go on to, like, Ancestry.com like they have been in Solving Crimes. <laughs> Which I kind of am cool with, but I'm also kind of like, oh. Wow. That's a little weird. A little weird. Um, but it, so this case, they were baffled. Um, it's in Adelaide. It's the capital of South Australia. It mm-hmm. was December 1948. And the only thing that seems to have changed since this story, whatever crime, whatever you want to call it, mystery, um, is, uh, sorry, I lost my place. To have changed since then is that a story that, sim- that began simply with the discovery of a body on the beach on the first day of that southern summer has become ever more mysterious. In fact, this case, which is theoretically an active investigation still, is so opaque that we still don't know the victim's identity. They have no idea what killed him, and they can't even be certain whether his death was a murder or suicide. Like, bum, that's bum, wild. Bum. That's Those like are too like many... Usually- those are like <laughs> they don't know the who they don't know what the they don't know the what <laughs> they don't know the why, why? <laughs> I mean, did you know, know where if it's murder or suicide nobody knows yeah it's oh this is so frustrating i'm very frustrated <laughs> <laughs> what we can say is that the clues in summerton beach mystery or the enigma known as the unknown man as it is known mm. down under Add up to one of the world's most perplexing cold cases. And it's probably, I, from what I read of this, it may be the most mysterious of them all. I, it may be up there with that first episode of Unsolved Mysteries. Mm. Oh, that, yeah. That note on the back of the computer. That's very frustrating. I think this one is more than... This is like that Tom, um, this is like old-timey Tom um, should chewed. <laughs> Is it a hard A or a soft A? No, I just don't I know. know. That's one of the mysteries. <laughs> <laughs> no one knows. 
that's sad but true um let's start by sketching out the little bit that is known okay so it's seven o'clock on a warm evening of tuesday november 30th 1948 <laughs> jeweler john bain lyons and his wife went for a nice little stroll on the beach it's a seaside resort a few miles um south of adelaide it's um somerton beach as they walked toward mm, glenelg <laughs> <laughs> sure, why not? They noticed a smartly dressed man lying on the sand, his head propped up against a seawall. Oh my goodness. He was lolling about 20 yards from them, legs outstretched, feet crossed. As the couple watched, the man extended his right arm upward, then it fell back to the ground. Lions huh. thought he might be making a drunken attempt to smoke a cigarette or something. <laughs> Whatevs. They kept walking. Half an hour later, another couple noticed the same dude lying in the same position. Looking oh. from above, the woman can see that he was immaculately dressed in a suit, nice new shiny shoes, old, um, kind of weirdly dressed for the beach, right? You don't have your nice shiny shoes and your dope-ass um, suit on the beach. I mean, I do. Oh. Okay. Same. Same. I do, too. <laughs> what? <laughs> He was motionless. His left arm splayed out on the sand. The couple decided that he was just asleep, his face surrounded by mosquitoes. He oh, my God. He must be dead to the world awful. not to notice them, the boyfriend joked. Hello. You and I both have problems with that. <laughs> no way that. someone is sleeping through mosquitoes. <laughs> that is insane. That guy is insane for saying that. No, that is not okay. It was not until the next morning that it became obvious that the man was not so much dead to the world as actually dead. John Lyons returned from a morning swim to find some people clustered at the seawall where he had seen his, quote, drunk the previous evening. Walking over, he saw a figure slumped in the same position, head resting on the wall, feet crossed. Now, though, the body was cold. There were no marks of any sort of violence. Half-smoked cigarette was lying on the man's collar as though it had just fallen out of his mouth. Oh, so weird. The body reached the Royal Adelaide Hospital three hours later. There, Dr. John Barkley Bennett put the time of death at no earlier than 2 a.m. He noted the likely cause of death as heart failure and added that he suspected poisoning. The contents of the man's pockets were spread out on a table. Tickets from Adelaide to the beach, a pack of chewing gum, some matches, two combs, <laughs> And a pack of army club Two cigarettes. <laughs> In case he loses one. And then um, a pack of army club cigarettes containing seven cigarettes of another more expensive brand. So he had a hmm. box, but the cigarettes inside were nicer ones. They didn't match. That's weird. Yeah, totally. There was no wallet and no cash and no ID. None of the man's clothes bore any name tags. All of these, like, tags all on him carefully snipped away so yeah, that's weird that's weird why i mean you'd have to think um perhaps his suit since it's nice maybe it could be traced back to whatever tailor mm -hmm. he went to yep. people had more, more like of their shit back then yeah you know what Made i mean for them mm -hmm. yeah um one trouser pocket had been neatly repaired with an unusual variety of orange thread by the time a full autopsy was carried out a day later the police had already exhausted their best leads as to the dead man's identity, and the results of the postmortem did little to enlighten them. It revealed that the corpse's pupils were smaller than normal and unusual, that a dribble of spittle 
had run down the side of the man's mouth as he lay and that he was probably unable to swallow it. That is so weird, that detail to me. Yeah. Because it's like, but it makes sense. Like, that's important. If he's Mm -hmm. laying there and he's not intoxicated or anything, like, they know, but he's not able to, like, swallow his own spit in his mouth. That's a big deal. That's, like, paralysis. Mm Mm-hmm. That's like some uh, Harrison Ford, Michelle Pfeiffer shit. Remember that movie? What oh, Lies yeah. Beneath? That movie is Oh crazy. my god, I have not seen that movie in a long ass time. That scene was horrifying. <laughs> Ew. So gross. That I forgot that cool. movie existed. Oh, dude. I will never forget. That was so gross. I was, oh, she's in that bathtub. Oh, shit, girl. It's not good. Mm-mm. Basically, that's what happened. His <laughs> spleen, meanwhile, was strikingly large and firm. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Shame on you. About three times the normal size. Oh, God, it's oh awful. Goodness. And the liver was distended with congested blood. Mm. And the man's stomach, pathologist John Dwyer, found the remains of his last meal, a pasty and a further quantity of blood. That, too, suggested poisoning, though there was nothing to show that the poison had been in the feed. Now, the dead man's peculiar behavior on the beach, the slumping in his nice suit, raising and dropping his right arm seemed less like him being wasted, more so a lethal dose of something that was taking slow effect. But repeated tests on the blood and organs by an expert chemist failed to reveal the faintest trace of a poison. They said, I, um, I was astounded that he found nothing, Dwyer admitted at the inquest. In fact, no cause of death was found. I mean, can I think there is a cause of death. Um, he had, like, a big spleen. <laughs> he had blood <laughs> in his stomach. Like, I know, but the thing is, why did he have blood in his stomach? Oh, it was straight up poison. They were those weird cigarettes. Were they? Oh, for sure. 100%. Oh, okay. 100%. He smoked some wacky tobacco. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Don't hate on the devil's lettuce. It did nothing wrong. Well, this is the, the OG wacky tobacco where it's just straight up poison. <laughs> so in addition to all this weirdness that Eric has been explaining, the, his body displayed other weird things going on with it so the poor dead man's calf muscles were high and very well developed although in his late 40 he had the legs of an athlete that's odd his toes meanwhile were oddly wedge shaped Mm -hmm. one expert who gave evidence on the inquest noted i have not seen the tendency of of calf muscles so pronounced as in this case his feet were rather striking suggesting this is my own assumption that he had been in the habit of wearing high-heeled and pointed shoes what a like strong assumption to make you know what i mean well but you know how women's feet that wear high heels end up literally having these super jacked up looking feet and i'm sure they've seen they've done autopsies on women so they've seen their feet i like the next line though because this is what's interesting what they think he maybe was Potentially. Perhaps another expert wizard. 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 <laughs> oh my gosh. Yes, 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 yes. Oh my god. Can all experts in Zen just from, from here and beyond only be referred to as wizards? Let's bring in our next wizard, please. 
not even drinking, and I mixed witnessed and hazarded into wizard. <laughs> All experts are wizards, aren't they? <laughs> I mean, Gandalf is an expert. Straight up expert. So was Dumbledore. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, oh. yeah. So mm-hmm. they were hazarding a guess that maybe the dead man had been a ballet dancer. Which, who knows? Maybe. Would, no, I'm not laughing at that. I'm laughing at my no, inability no, to You're speak. <laughs> but it could be, right? Totally. Totally. Poor ballet dancers have the most I jacked know. up feet. It's so, so awful. Sad. Those shoes are terrible. They're medieval. So the mystery just gets stranger. All this left the Adelaide coroner, Thomas Cleland, with a real puzzle on his hands. The only practical solution, he was informed by an eminent professor, Sir Cedric Stanton Hicks, was that a very rare poison had been used, one that had, quote, decomposed very early after death, leaving no trace. The only poisons capable of this were so dangerous and deadly that Hicks would not say their names aloud in open court. Insane. He slyly did this. <laughs> Instead, he passed Cleland a scrap of paper on which he had written the names of two possible candidates, Digitalis and Strophanthin. Strophanthin? Strophanthin? Sure. I like it. I don't know. <laughs> Hicks suspected the latter. Strophanthin is a rare, gly- a rare glycoside derived from the seeds of some African plants. Historically, it was used by a little-known Somali tribe to poison arrows. Hmm. Never heard of it. Mm-mm. I'm sure that Nanny Doss would love to get her hands on mm-hmm. that shit, though. Yeah, for She's sure. She has it. She probably did. She, like, grew <laughs> those plants. Yeah. <laughs> she was, like, the dealer of it. so more baffled than ever now the police continued their investigation and a full set of fingerprints was taken and it was circulated around australia and then throughout the english-speaking world because they're like well we can't find them here maybe in new zealand maybe in england maybe in the united states who knows Mm -hmm. but nobody could identify them so people from all over adelaide were escorted to the mortuary in the hope that they could give the corpse a name Some thought they knew the man from photos published in the newspapers. Others were distraught relatives of missing people, and not one person recognized the man. Crazy. So by January 11th, the South Australia police had investigated and dismissed pretty much every single lead that they had. And the investigation um, was now widened in an attempt to locate any abandoned personal possessions, perhaps left luggage. Uh, that might suggest that the dead man had come from out of state. And so this meant checking every hotel, every dry cleaner lost property office and railway station for miles around but actually it did end up giving them results so on the 12th detectives sent to the main railway station in adelaide were shown a brown suitcase that had been deposited in the cloakroom there on november 30th so the staff member could remember nothing of the owner and the case's contents were not much more revealing the case did contain a reel of orange thread identical to that used to repair the dead man's trousers yeah But painstaking care had been applied to remove practically every trace of the owner's identity. So the case had no stickers or markings, and a label had actually been torn off from one of the sides. So the tags were missing from all but three items of the clothing inside. And the ones that did remain bore the name Keen or T, so Keen, K-E-A-N, or T dot Keen, K-E-A-N-E, but it proved impossible to trace any one of that name, and the police concluded 
um, an Adelaide paper reported that somebody had purposely left them on knowing that the dead man's name was not Keen yeah. or Keen. With they were trying e. to throw them off. If there's that much thought put to it, they're not going to leave that behind. Seriously, that's so shady, though. Mm-hmm. So the remainder of the contents were easily inscrutable. There was a stencil kit of the sort, quote, used by the third officer on merchant ships responsible for the stenciling of cargo. Random. A table knife with the haft cut down and a coat stitched using a feather stitch unknown in Australia. A tailor identified the stitch work as American in origin, suggesting that the coat and perhaps its wearer had traveled during the war years. But searches of shipping and immigration records from across the country again produced no likely leads. This is just getting so weird. Cargo stencil. That makes me think that he had something he was shipping and he had to sneak it on as like inspected or something. Maybe it was that African poison. Maybe. I mean, clearly he had to get something that would be overlooked when it got checked in. To me, Mm -hmm. it seems like it'd have to be like, you know, it passed inspection. Mm -hmm. But what? That's so weird. So the police had brought in another expert, John Cleland, emeritus professor of pathology at the University of Wizard. Adelaide. Wizard. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> to re-examine the corpse emeritus and the Wizard. dead man's <laughs> possessions. <laughs> in April, four months after the discovery of the body, Cleland's research um, search produced a final piece of evidence, one that would prove to be the most baffling of all. Cleland discovered a small pocket sewn into the waistband of the, de- waistband of the dead man's trousers. Insane. Four months later. Four months later, they go back to his suit and they find this hidden little compartment. Weird. Previous examiners had missed it and several accounts of the case have referred to it as the secret pocket. But it was... <laughs> That's inappropriate. <laughs> but seems to have been intended to hold a fob watch. Inside, tightly rolled, was a minute scrap of paper, which, when opened up, proved to contain two words typeset in an elaborate printed script. The phrase said, Tamam Shud. I like, I like the, it. I like the font. I do like the font. It's very, um, it's like, I don't know. Aladdin. Yeah. I like well, it. Well, which is funny because, well, because it is. I'll let you, I'll <laughs> let you read the rest. Frank kennedy the police reporter for the adelaide advertiser for whatever weird reason he was like up on persian and (laughs) knew what it was and telephoned the police to suggest they obtained a copy of a book of poetry i have no idea how to pronounce it try it of omar Khayyam. i don't Mm. know maybe This word, written in the 12th century, had become popular in Australia during the war years in a much-loved translation by Edward Fitzgerald. It existed in numerous editions, but the usual intricate police inquiries to libraries, publishers, and bookshops failed to find one that matched the same fancy type. Mm -hmm. At least it was possible, however, to say that the words... Tamam Shud or Taman Shud, as several newspapers misprinted it. A mistake that was <laughs> made over and over and over ever since did come from Kayam's romantic reflections on life and mortality. They were, in fact, the last words in most English translations, not surprisingly, because the phrase meant it is ended. So, Ooh. homeboy has that sewn secretly inside his trousers. And he did. It is ended. Yes. Mm, mm, mm. I don't think he did it. 
I don't think so either. I think whoever killed him is so detail-oriented that they couldn't handle people not having some kind of calling card, and that was their way of being like, look, I, they told me to do this hit this one way. I'm, I want to sneak this in. That's what I, Yeah, no way. Okay. That's Four. an interesting theory. Sure. Taken, it's like the wet bandits. <laughs> <laughs> Leave but those faucets w- running. But way more. <laughs> way better. Yes. <laughs> Taken at face value, this new clue suggested that the death might be a case of suicide. Because it's like, I'm ended. Mm-hmm. But I don't think so. I don't think no. that's, I don't think I don't that's think so. fair to him. I don't. Boop, 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 boop. Okay. Taken at face value, this new clue suggested that the death might be a case of suicide. In fact, mm. the South Australian police never did turn their missing person inquiries into a full-blown murder investigation, but the discovery took them no closer to identifying the dead man. And in the meantime, his body had begun to decompose. Arrangements no were made <laughs> yeah, for a burial, but conscious... Uh, that they were disposing of one of the few pieces of evidence they had, his body, the police first had the corpse embalmed and a cast taken of the head and upper torso. After that, the body was buried, sealed under concrete in a plot of dry ground, chosen in case they needed to exhume it. As late That's as smart. Ni- yeah. As late as 1978, flowers would be found at odd <gasps> intervals on the grave, but no one could ascertain who had left them there or why. To be honest, if I was a cemetery goer, which I'm really not, and I knew that there was somebody who didn't have somebody to give them flowers, I would feel compelled to do that. Even if I had nothing to do with the person, I'd be like, oh, it's that makes me really dog. sad. But they did it, like, yeah. religiously. I'm sure it's... I'm sure it's more nefarious than my idea. It's weird. I don't know. It's spooky. In July, fully eight months after the investigation had begun, the search for the right book produced results. On the 23rd, a Glenelg man walked into the detective office in Adelaide with a copy of the book and a strange story. Mm. Earlier, the previous December, just after the discovery of the unknown body, he had gone for a drive with his brother-in-law in a car. He kept parked a few hundred <laughs> yards away. <laughs> I didn't know they were from old Hollywood. Just him. Just him. No. <laughs> the brother-in-law had found a copy of the book lying on the floor of the rear seats. Each man had silently assumed it belonged to the other, and the book had sat in the glove compartment ever since. What? Right. They alerted, alerted by a newspaper article about the search. The two men had gone back to take a closer look. They found the part of the final page had been torn out. Insane. Those words. Those words were torn out. They went to the police. The words that were in his trousers. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) Detective Sergeant Lionel Lean took a close look at the book. Almost at once, he found a telephone number penciled on the rear cover. Using a magnifying glass, he dimly made out the faint impression of some other letters written in capitals underneath. Here, at last, was a solid clue to go on. The phone number was unlisted. Shit. But it proved (laughs) to belong to a young nurse who lived near Somerton Beach. Like the two Glenelg men, she has never been publicly identified. The South Australia Police of 1949 were disappointingly willing to protect witnesses um, who had 
potentially be embarrassed to be linked to this case. And she is now known only by her nickname, Justine. Reluctantly, it seemed, perhaps because she was living with the man who would become her husband, oh. the nurse admitted that she had indeed presented a copy of this weird book to a man <laughs> she had known during the war. She gave the detective his name, Alfred Foxold. At last, the police felt confident that they had solved the mystery. Foxel surely was the unknown man. My dude. <laughs> was it him, though? Within days, they traced his home to Marobra, New South Wales. The problem <laughs> was that Boxel turned out to still be alive. And he stole the copy <laughs> of the book that Justine gave him. Oh. It bore the nurse's inscription but was completely intact. The scrap of paper hidden in the dead man's pocket must have come from somewhere else. Well, it came from that book. That's what I thought. But now they're saying it didn't. It doesn't make any sense. Nothing makes sense to me. Well, it came from, it came from the book that was found in the car, but it just wasn't found. It wasn't, it didn't come. Oh no. Yeah. I don't know. That's weird. I don't get it. Right. So they found that book in the back of the car that those guys (laughs) just assumed it was each other's. And, then, I figured it out. Well, but, and then they saw that it was, that paper was missing, and then they saw a faint impression, and she's like, yeah, I gave a book to this guy. It, w- it must have been his, but that doesn't make any s- <sighs> No, it makes sense, because she was getting her freak on, and then when she was like, I'm just going to give each guy that I like this book, because whatever. So so you think she was just throwing him off the scent, because she's like, I gave someone no, else this book? she gave... She gave them to any dude that she slept with. Maybe. So she slept with Tom Mom Shed and also other guy that's still Boxel. alive. Boxel. And she like what? Wrote and her she just didn't. On it? She, yeah, she didn't. She just lied. And was like, yeah, I don't I know mean, who that guy. I think she knew him and she lied about it. Oh yeah, there's. I think she lied. She definitely is. Not She's full of all of the information. A balone. Yeah. I mean, at the time, that was, you know, sleeping with more than one guy is, like, a big Mm -hmm. no-no. Of course she had to keep it secret, keep it safe. (sighs) But now, we can let her fly her freak flag and... Yeah, why not, girl? Do you? (laughs) The freaky part is, why are you giving them Give out those poetry books. (laughs) (laughs) Why do you have so many copies? Because everyone else is really struggling to find them, but you have, like, ten. There's probably more out there that have come from this woman. (laughs) But not with that font. His is special. Well, maybe he was the special guy to her. He was the most specialist. <laughs> so special that she killed him. Oh, or maybe she's like whoever has this book. Like she's part of like the some cult. The, uh, no, I was thinking she's like uh, she's the spy. Mm. I think maybe it's like a cult killing. It's the Tamam Shed cult. Weird. I don't know. I'm making shit up. Okay, you go. It might have helped if the South Australia police had felt able to question Jetson. Jetson? Is that really I said Justine. Name? Justine. Just Justin. Justine. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> oh, her name is weird. Justine closely, but it is clear that they did not do their due diligence. Uh, so the gentle probing oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> that the nurse received did yield. <laughs> Some intriguing bits of information. 
She was interviewed again. She recalled that sometime the previous year, she could not be certain of the date, she had come home to be told by neighbors that an unknown man had called and asked for her and had con- and confronted with the cast of the dead man's face, uh, Justine seemed, quote, completely taken aback to the point of giving the appearance she was about to faint. She seemed to recognize the man, yet firmly denied that she he was anyone that she knew. That's so upsetting because... I would be like, bitch, you're going to court. <laughs> but why couldn't they, first of all, just show, show her a picture of him? Why do they have to present her with a weird mold of his head? Well, because the only picture that they have of him is dead. And that's pretty jarring for people. Compared to an actual, like, death mask? <laughs> I don't know. All of it's bad. And life size. Like, hey, like, you ring the doorbell and you're holding this thing? I'd Whoa. way rather see a picture. That is so weird. And the picture is way more detailed. If they want to really yeah. know if she knows him, the picture yeah. is actually him. The mm-hmm. weird papyrus mold is... Papyrus? Not good. It's oh. not good for me. You would not be expecting that. I'd be like, what's this? Gross. Ew. <laughs> Don't touch me. Okay. So that left the faint... Impression Sergeant Lean had noticed in the Glenel Rubiat. God, I can't say that word. Mm-hmm. Rubiat, whatever. Sure. Uh, examined under ultraviolet light, five lines of jumble- jumbled letters could be seen, the second of which had been crossed out. The first three were separated for the last two by a pair of straight lines with an X written over them. It seemed that they were some sort of code. So um, strange. So basically. It was Justine like a, is a dead end currently. Mm-hmm. So now they're going with the other, like, random in, clues. Yeah, which was left in the book. So he's doing, like, an old school, like, code. Do the pencil over the page or whatever. Uh-huh. And it's like, rub weird, the pencil over it. Yeah. It's a very strange code. Mm-hmm. So breaking a code from only a small fragment of text is exceedingly difficult, but the police did their best. They sent the message to Naval Intelligence, home of the finest to the finer cipher experts in Australia, and allowed the message to be published in the press. This produced a frenzy of amateur code breaking, almost all of it worthless, and a message from the Navy concluding that the code appeared to be unbreakable. Lucky them. <laughs> so they said, from the manner in which the lines have been represented as being set out in the original, it is evident that the end of each line indicates a break in sense. There is an insufficient number of letters for definite conclusions to be based on analysis, but the indications together with the acceptance of the above breaks in sense indicate, insofar as can be seen, that the letters do not constitute any kind of simple cipher or code. Great. <sighs> And the rest of that is just... So it's a smart person more. code. <laughs> or an alien Perfect. code. No! Maybe just a lizard man code. <laughs> so, and there, to all intents and purposes, the mystery rested. So the Australian police never cracked the code or identified the unknown man. Justine died a few years ago without revealing why she had seemed likely to faint when confronted with a likeness of the dead man's face, though, as Erica has said, it would be pretty haunting. Um, yeah. And when the South Australia... Hey, do you Australia... know this guy? <laughs> what? Oh, my God! <laughs> and when... <laughs> when the South Australia coroner published the final results of his investigation in 1958, his report concluded with the admission... I am unable to say who the deceased was. I'm unable to say how he died or what was the cause of death. In recent years, though, the Tamam 
should case has begun to attract uh, new attention. Amateur sleuths like us, we've already solved it, uh, mm -hmm. have probed at the loose ends left by police, solving one or two minor mysteries, but often creating new ones in their stead. And two, especially, sorry, my, there's, there are ads that keep loading and it yep. makes the text freak out. Thanks, Smithsonian. Um, amateur sleuths have probed at the loose ends left by police, solving one or two minor mysteries, but often creating new ones in their stead. And two especially persistent investigators, retired Australian policeman Jerry Feltis, author of the, of the only book yet published on the case, and Professor Derek Abbott at the University of Adelaide, so have made particularly... The most obsessed. Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. Useful progress. This is like their Zodiac. Yep. Uh, both freely admit they have not solved a mystery, but let's close by looking briefly at the remaining puzzles and leading theories. So one thing, too, that's interesting about the code is mm -hmm. that the Navy thinks it might be, like, every one of those letters represent mm -hmm. the beginning of, like, maybe the first line in a poem. So, or they make a sentence. So, like, if it's... Mm. Do you know what I'm saying? So... It might not be a code. It's like, well, it is a code, but so the initials are lines of a verse of poetry. Okay. Maybe. Who knows? Mm. I mean, it it can make sense it's related to poetry considering the book is poems. 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 That's horrible. <laughs> it's a good time. Uh, so the first little remaining puzzle the man's identity is, is just unknown fool? what's happening who, who are you dead? did someone murder him is he is he a family someone should know mm -hmm. Seems it like is it. generally presumed that he was known to justine and may have may have well have been the man who called her at the apartment but even if he was not the nurse's shocked response when confronted with the body cast was telling <laughs> i just don't think that's fair <laughs> <laughs> might the solution be found in her activities during world war ii was she in the habit of presenting men with copies <gasps> mm -hmm. i i didn't even read this article i read yeah. a different article <laughs> they did not talk about this <laughs> Oh, my God. I feel so justified. <laughs> so was she in the habit of presenting men with copies of this book? And if so, might the dead man have been a former boyfriend or more whom Ooh. she did not wish to confess to knowing? Abbott's research is certainly suggesting as much as much for he has traced Justine's identity and discovered that she had a son. Ooh. Minute analysis of the surviving photos of the unknown man and Justine's child reveal intriguing similarities. Might the dead man have been the father of her son? If so, could he have killed himself when she he was told she wait when told he could not see them? Mm. Your Very turn. strange. They're, like, holding this body cast up to this poor kid. <laughs> Does <laughs> this look like your dad? <laughs> <laughs> I would not blame him for hating them. Um, those who argue against this theory point to the cause of the man's death. How credible is it to, they say, sorry, how credible is it they say that someone would commit suicide by dosing himself with a super rare-ass poison? <laughs> poison? Mm -hmm. What's mm -hmm. a poison? You know, it's the kind that are rare. <laughs> that only it's wizards know about? Only wizards. <laughs> but for real, why? You're not going to get 
this crazy no. rare poison to kill yourself. No. And if you are, you're not going to prop yourself up on the beach in the most uncomfortable way ever. His head was at the weirdest right angle, and that could not have been comfortable. No. You would want to nope. at least be laying down comfortably. Right? Yeah. That alone is enough for me to go, no, that's not... <laughs> He didn't do that. Stop putting that on him. He didn't do that. Like, look into this. Get rid of that one. <laughs> Digitalis and even strophanthin can the the rare poisons can be had from pharmacies, but never off the shelf. Both poisons are muscle relaxants used to treat heart disease. Huh. The apparently exotic nature of the death suggests to these theorists that the unknown man was possibly a spy. Alfred Boxel <laughs> had worked in intelligence during the war. This is the guy that they thought was him, who also had oh. one of these books given by the nurse, Justine. So he had worked in intelligence during the war, and the unknown man died, after all, at the onset of the Cold War, and at a time when the British rocket testing facility at Woomera, a few hundred miles from Adelaide, was one of the most secret bases in the world. It was even suggested that poison was administered to him via his tobacco. Like you said. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, maybe the guy that was still alive, Alfred Boxel, maybe he was the spy and he took real Alfred Boxel's place. So that guy is... The guy that died, his name is really Alfred Boxel, but they cut away any identifying yeah. information, and then the spy guy took That's his... a theory, that it's like, uh, put him in this suit and pretend, yeah, like a new He's identity. He's just a nobody. Yeah, that yeah. guy was a nobody, and spy is now Alfred Boxel. Mm-hmm. Creepy. That's really scary. Mm-hmm. Um, ugh. So far-fetched as this seems, there are two more genuinely odd things about the mystery that point away from anything so mundane as suicide. Wow, guys. Okay. don't think we should call it suicide mundane, but whatever. I don't think we should. No. Smithsonian. Boo. How the, dare you? How dare you? The first is the apparent impossibility of locating an exact duplicate of this weird book. <laughs> <laughs> weird, weird book. Um, the Rubiat, handed in to the police in July 1949. Exhaustive inquiries by Jerry Feltis at last tracked down an almost identical version, still not identical, with the same cover, hmm. published by a New Zealand bookstore chain named Whitcomb and Tombs, but it was published in a square format. Add to that the one of Derek Abbott's leads, and the puzzle gets more peculiar. Abbott discovered that at least one other man died in Australia after the war with a copy of this poem book close by him. This man's name was George Marshall. He was a Jewish immigrant from Singapore, and his copy of the book was published in London in a seventh edition. Okay, so they find someone else who died with this book nearby, and it's almost identical, but it's a seventh edition. Okay, kind of weird, but not that weird. Inquiries into the publisher and to the libraries, all like worldwide, suggest that there yeah. were never more than five editions of this book, which means the seventh edition is non existent. 
why did he have a seventh? What? It was never, they never, so they call up the publisher and they're like, there is no seventh edition. What are you talking about? That's <gasps> weird. Oh, my mind. So this seventh edition was non-existent, just as the unknown man's Whitcomb and Tomb appears to be. So both of these editions, and they were very similar, these, these books. One was a seventh and one was our guys but no one can find a copy of his and this other one no one will ever find because it doesn't exist according to the publisher okay weird might the books not have been books at all but disguised by gear of some sort some think that could be who knows which brings i have another theory oh tell me Sorry. No. Remember I how know. I don't know if it was on a I was on Patreon or on regular episodes. But remember that guy that showed up in Japan and he said he was from that one foreign country that didn't exist. Yes. But it was like right near Spain. Oh, like a time travel thing. Yeah. Or an alternate reality. Alternate, like a parallel thing. Mm-hmm. And he just ended up in the wrong. Maybe he wrote it is ended because he left the his parallel universe and it came to ours where they happen to have a seventh edition copy of this book but why drugged who got to him was he trying to change something and they didn't want him to maybe he took the drugs because he was like fuck i can't get back i'm just gonna take them and just die maybe that's a common poison there i don't know i'll come up with conspiracy theories all day (laughs) oh yeah those those are fun (laughs) so the final (laughs) mystery of all Mm -hmm. of the millions of mysteries (laughs) Going through the police file on the case, Jerry Feltis stumbled across a neglected piece of evidence, a statement Uh. given in 1959 by a man who had been seen on Somerton Beach. There, on the same evening that the unknown man lay died, and walking toward the spot where his body was left found, the witness stated, I saw a man carrying another on his shoulder near the water's edge oh he come could on. not describe the man at the time this did not seem that weird the witness Why? assumed he'd been somebody carrying a drunken friend everybody's just like thinking everybody's wasted <laughs> this sounds like a really fun town truthfully for sure like <laughs> where have we been <laughs> looked at in the cold light of day though it raises questions after all none of the people who saw a man lying on the seafront earlier had noticed his face might he not have been the unknown man at all? Might the body found the next morning have been the one seen on the stranger's shoulder? And if so, hmm. might this conceivably suggest this was really a case involving spies and murder? Murder? Weird. This case is bananas. I just, what? I don't know. I think that it was a spy situation and that... The guy that was, quote, found alive really mm-hmm. just killed this fool and took his identity. It's just That's weird. That's the thing that makes, to me, the most sense. It's weird. There's other things, too. So in his pockets, he had an unused train ticket. We talked about that, but it was mm-hmm. unused. And he also had a bus ticket that no one could prove to have been used either. So he was planning yeah. to go somewhere, but he didn't? why i don't know well maybe that was put in there to throw people off the scent i feel like everything that was in this guy's pockets or part of his belongings were put there to throw people off the scent oh for sure alfred boxel slash spy man 
So you want to know what else is frustrating? What? The copy of the book that was provided to the police by those mm-hmm. guys, it doesn't mm-hmm. exist anymore. What like, the fuck physically. happened to it? And in 1986, the brown suitcase that was found at the rail station along with its contents were destroyed because some dude deemed it no longer necessary. That guy got fired, right? He just chucked it. What a jackass. On top of that, some of the hard-nosed amateur detectives still attempting to solve this case have tried to get the body of him exhumed because Mm -hmm. DNA samples now. Great. But the requests have been denied. Why? Uh, No, I think actually 2019 they... Did they exhume him finally and get it? They said that they would do it because the person that thinks that um, they're his kids... They think, I think they're like, we're okay with this. We want this to happen. But I think they were trying to raise money so that somebody could do the examination because the cops are like, we're not paying for it. Even though technically it's still considered an open case. It's also weird. But they're, I think they are going to exhume the body finally. Oh, man. Mm -hmm. I Mm -hmm. want to know about all of that. I don't think it's happened yet, but it's on the table now. Um, Oh, that's very interesting. So, if you want to know his um, resting spot, currently it's a section of cemetery in uh, West Terrace Cemetery called Plan 3. Um, he's site number 106, row 12. He's still there today. Um, but if Crazy. you do, keep an eye out for somebody because some say that there's still flowers that are left there. Oh, my God. Um, they also said... Uh, Right after this, like, he was buried, a woman who was seen exiting the cemetery was questioned by police, but she claimed to be totally, like, didn't know anything about anything about any of it of happening. Um, so if it wasn't her, then who else? Hmm. Okay. Also, the Justine, her real name is Jessica Thompson. They outed her later. Because <laughs> she died, and they were just like, I who fucking cares? Uh, yeah, probably. Just she was lying up. to us anyway. Ah. <laughs> <sighs> I just don't know. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I wish she would have said more. Yeah. Instead of just... <gasps> but she didn't want her name to be dragged through the mud. And at the time, yeah, that I get was it. an okay. Man. I don't know. I want to know what this code is. <laughs> I want to know who is making these weird books. <laughs> who is making these mm. books? The book thing is the weirdest part for me. Yeah. I and don't... why she even knew that part about the book. Me. It sounds like the one she gave the Boxel guy was a real one, though. Yeah, that's true. These other ones were not. I don't know, dude. I think Boxel and this guy have something to do with each other. Mm-hmm. I don't know. <laughs> Why were his calves so nice? Why were his calves so nice? Apparently, he had really soft hands also. Oh. So he was not a hard worker. Mm-mm. Which would, I mean, I don't know. I like the idea of him being a ballerina. I mean, I would assume that they brought in other, like, local dance companies, right? They would have to know. They wouldn't have him look at his feet. That's traumatic. They could just... No, him, though, his photo. If people are coming in left and right once they open it all up. That is true. Why would you have... What else do you people do that where you have good calves? Unless he's just in shape. So in shape. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Maybe those weird shiny shoes he was wearing. Maybe somebody had him walking around in a suit and these shoes and stuff that weren't his. So when they did the switchy identity, mm-hmm. it made more sense and the shoes didn't fit him. But they, they wouldn't mess him. up his feet like that. I don't know. No, they wouldn't permanently damage How his feet How long like was that. he wearing them, though? Maybe That would have to be, like, months. 
Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. It's weird. Yes. I want to know what happened so bad. Mm, we may never know. I hope they do a DNA test. Me too. I really, really hope they do. That would I be definitely nice. think the Boxel guy is involved, though. 100%. I'm, I'm, I think he's the, the killer. Or was the killer. He's probably dead now. Oh, it's frustrating. <laughs> I feel bad for him. Like I know. How horrible to have so many people. Like, it makes me sad because it's like, no, no one knows him. Like, that's sad to me. And then... I think people do know him. They're just not telling. But somebody who cares about him who would talk. Maybe she did know. care, but she wasn't allowed to. Yeah. I don't know. She's a nurse. I don't know. Wouldn't it be weird if she was a dancer? They're like, what? <laughs> Maybe she liked Oh, dance. my God. <laughs> she killed him. She's the one carrying him on the beach. <laughs> All I know is he didn't kill himself. That's no, absolutely not. That and is not a suicide. Somebody covered their tracks too well. Very, very well. Which means somebody was giving them instructions of how to take care of the scene. So there's a higher up person who's doing Maybe this. Maybe they were just that good because they were a spy. Yeah, but that's what I mean. Like, if they're a spy, then that means they're working for some kind of agency. Well, maybe they were, the agency was just like, just kill a local and blend in and stay there. I don't know. It's too weird. It's very strange. I don't like it. And I don't like this book. (laughs) It is end. No. (laughs) No, no. I don't like it. Well, we're not going to be spinning the wheel today. So, sorry. Not sorry. I'm not sorry at all, actually. I'm just so Mm. excited for the listener stories. Me too. I love them. Mm -hmm. I'm not excited about drinking. Mm -mm. No. No. (laughs) No. (laughs) Uh, Our poor livers. Mm -hmm. Well, this was fun for me, this episode. I'm glad we finally got to do it. Yeah, I've never seen something so confusing i had read about it very briefly a long time ago and i was like oh yeah that's weird but i didn't really read into the all the crazy details this was there's so many that's what's so strange is there how can there Mm -hmm. be so many details and i know it's like a an agatha christie (laughs) yeah it really is one thing after the next and then and then (laughs) then there was this you're like why but there's no answers great (laughs) great Mm -hmm. well guys join us next week for your stories again if you have anything that you would like for us to read on air we don't have to share your name we can just say listener x or whatever but if you want to send us your stories please do that again it's nightguyspod at gmail.com or you can send us a dm on instagram facebook or twitter just search for nice guy night guys nice guys (laughs) night guys podcast or nice call (laughs) Uh, or call or text 707-200-3898. Perfect. Yes. <laughs> also, if you're thinking of joining Patreon, now's the time to do it. Oh, yeah. I totally forgot. Why, you ask? Because from now until Halloween, if you join, you're going to get a bunch of fun gifts that Liana and I picked out to say thank you to all of our Patreon members old and new because Mm -hmm. without you we are nothing but two 
crazy people talking into nothing talking into the void <laughs> so thank you um but everything we picked out is really cool we've mentioned it before i'm proud of all the things we're putting together for everybody mm-hmm. Me too. i think you'll all like it and besides getting that then you also get weekly extra episodes and we have over 55 probably 60 by now um mm-hmm of extra episodes and we have videos and just fun stuff and also we have like in in person through zoom meetups um and for halloween we're gonna do a special one where we will at least be in costume but costumes are extremely encouraged yes <laughs> so it likely that. won't take place on halloween proper but we'll definitely have a halloween party yeah it'll be fun mm-hmm. halloween is all month mm-hmm Halloween is month of my birth, so that's it what matters to me. It is the most of all Halloweens. <laughs> oh. <laughs> okay, I love Halloween. <laughs> this is the Night Guys podcast. Please join us next week. I'm Liana. I'm Erica. Okay, bye. 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 Bye, Lori Bye. Bye. Chad Bay Bell. <laughs> bye. Bye. <laughs>